Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, today on the show, really excited to have Arn Senadella with us. Uh, we're going to dive into some, some investing uh, content here, but over the last four decades, uh, he's had a real estate brokerage uh, and in, in that's been his, his investing experience. He's transitioned from a single family rental portfolio into the multifamily world. That's what we talk about here on the DJE podcast. And he helps others do the same along the way. He's the founder of Spark Investment Group. And so we'll dive into that without further ado. Arn, welcome. How are you? Hey, great. Uh, Devin, happy to be here. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Awesome. Well, they, we, we appreciate it. I appreciate it and they appreciate it. So thanks for jumping on. Um, so you've got a lot of experience on the brokerage side. I always like to understand, well, let's kind of back up. Wh- where, are you, uh, where are you based out of? right now? I, I currently live in Greenville, South Carolina. And okay. uh, uh, I moved here just about six years ago, November 2014. Um, basically a lifelong Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area resident. Uh, was born and raised there and started my real estate career in Menlo Park in Palo Alto, California, which is uh, right on the, in the middle of the peninsula between San Francisco and San Jose. That's great. So yeah, we were talking a little bit before the recording here about <laughs> what's happened at San Francisco real estate values since, since that time, right? Since your, since your day is kind of coming up there. Um, have you been back in the last few years? I mean, I hear things about San Francisco. I don't know if they're true. I don't know what to believe, but you know, have you been uh, back since 2014? I, I have visited a few times. My two sons, uh, Alex and Austin, 34 and 30, still live there. I have a lot of friends there and old clients. Sure. Um, it's interesting. There's a book, You Can't Go Home Again, I think by Thomas mm. Wolfe, and mm. kind of return into an area where you spent most of your life recognizing you're probably never going to go back again is a little bit bittersweet. So it's kind of interesting emotions when I go back to visit. Uh, The growth there has continued. What I thought was traffic six years ago is, say, two times the amount right now. It's a beautiful area. And, um, you know, if I was a young person looking to create my fame and fortune in the world, that's a place I would go. I mean, I don't think there's any better place in the world to kind of do that. Uh, but of course, life evolves and what people like uh, changes too. Um, my girlfriend and I, Laura, love living in Greenville, South Carolina. It's up in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's a great real estate market, um, halfway between Charlotte and Atlanta fabulous downtown. Uh, So we're quite happy here and uh, we feel we have a very good quality of life here and it is more affordable and a little less hectic. I like it. I've got some friends there. I, I they, they seem to uh, seem to agree with that sentiment. So that's great. Interesting. I should hook up with them sometime. You know, yeah. it'd be great. Or if you ever come visit, let's get together. I lo- would love to. Can't wait to uh, start. You know, meeting people in person. We're talking here in uh, September 2020. So hopefully, kind of uh, coming out of this COVID debacle, COVID debacle of 2020. We'll see. But looking forward to getting back to kind of shaking some hands and and connecting yes. with some people for yes. sure. 
So you started out in, in a brokerage, a real estate brokerage for, for many years. Um, at what point in there, Arn, did, did kind of the multifamily investing world pique your interest? Was that early on? Was that a, is that a recent development? What, what, how did that happen for you? Well, that's interesting. You could call me slow because uh, multifamily didn't pique my interest until kind of very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to work for my father in the real estate business after being trained as a scientist uh, and getting a master's degree. And then I did something totally different. Uh, joined my father in Menlo Park and he was an old school investor He bought one little rental house at a time, accumulated quite a portfolio, and I kind of modeled that approach throughout my investing career. Um, So I've only recently turned to multifamily. Um, I'm 66 years old. Uh, I've been in the real estate business my entire life. I enjoy it. Uh, Managing single family rentals was not a problem for me. You know, I was out in the field anyway. That's what I did all day. Sure. Um, And um, earlier this year, actually, when COVID hit, uh, a young investing friend of mine from Greenville uh, sent me a podcast from a well-known syndicator talking about COVID and the impact on multifamily. Uh, so I listened to that and I soon became fascinated and consumed copious amounts of education, both through podcasts, boot camps, virtual summits. Uh, multi, you know, I was always aware of multifamily. Uh, the other part of the puzzle was at the start of every year, I kind of evaluate my real estate portfolio determine how much equity, what income I have from that portfolio and so forth. And so at the start of this year, when I did it, uh, adding up all the equity I've accumulated over decades, the actual cash income, cash return on my equity was minimal. Right. Um, Not a big deal. The properties did great. They appreciated. I had great tenants, so it was all positive. I'm not saying anything negative about it, but when I looked at the returns uh, of money actually going into my pocket, it was minimal. And I then decided uh, multifamily would provide an opportunity for greater cash flow. There are a lot of reasons I believe in multifamily and we can get into them, but one would be greater cash flow and also, um, I also want to maybe be relieved of some of the day-to-day property management responsibilities from running my own portfolio. You know, I have 12 or 15 rentals here in Greenville, so that's 12 mortgage payments a month, you know, 12 to 20 rent checks to, to collect, insurance policies, property tax bills, repairs. And again, it's not an onerous thing, but it is time consuming. And so I think through multifamily, economies of scale, um, having a more business oriented model, right? When you run 15 single family homes, that's different than running a 250 unit apartment building. So I think you can bring kind of more business skills to the larger, the larger asset. 
Um, so primarily, I would say greater cash flow, less day-to-day -day management responsibilities were the two drivers for me to make that shift. Yeah, that's great. I, I really like what you said, Arn, about return on equity. Um, a, a long time ago, a mentor of mine kind of turned me on to this idea of, of uh, return on your net worth, right? I mean, it's something that people don't necessarily look at a lot. You can establish a big net worth and, and maybe you've got a million dollars equity in your house, but your return on your equity there is zero beyond the you know enjoyment of the, the home. Um, and and that, that was a real kind of eye opener for me uh, is that return on your net worth number, you know, and I think if people are, are new to this, I encourage them to take a look at that. And um, I can be, you know, it can be an eye opener. And that, that's the start of, uh, you know, start a start of maybe some, some uh, new investing journey for some folks. Um, well, this is, this is great. You know, I appreciate the overview. What, what uh, markets are you guys looking in for these types of projects? Is it in your backyard? Is it nationwide? What's kind of your investment philosophy on market selection? Sure. So I am investing passively as well as actively uh, uh, pursuing opportunities. So if I could start with my passive investments, uh, I've generally invested in kind of class A, class B, core, core plus type, type properties, suburban locations, uh, good tenant income and demographics, um, and by and large, it's proven out the rent collection on these properties have been good. In terms of locations, they're primarily in the Carolinas, though I did... Uh, uh, participate in one uh, project in Boise, Idaho, and I'd been looking for years to get into the Boise market, and finally I found the right opportunity. Very happy with that one. The ones in the Carolinas are doing very well. Uh, one's in Charlotte, which is 90 miles from me. Uh, another one's in Columbia, which is about 120 miles, and then another one in Simpsonville, which is basically a Greenville suburb. Um, so those are the type of uh, properties I've invested in passively. I'm relatively conservative. Um, I'd say my investing philosophy is hit line drive base hits, don't go for the grand slam. Yep. I just think over time, you just keep banging out those base hits. You're over a five, 10, 15 year period, your net worth is gonna increase dramatically if you just keep doing that. So you don't need to hit, you know, go for the grand slam. Um, that all being said, um, one of the great things about passive investing in apartment syndications is you can diversify by geography. You can also diversify by kind of asset class. So I am now involved as a co-sponsor on two value-add properties. Uh, I would say they're C-class assets, maybe in B location. So I think they have some opportunity to do that. Um, I think the other thing I would say is there's no one right answer. There's no one right way to invest, right? Each person has to kind of evaluate their situation. Where are they at in their life? What are their needs? How do they feel about risk? And so on and so forth. And then 
with that Spark Investment Group helps people find suitable investments for what they feel most comfortable doing and what best fits their goals. Uh, I'm 66. My needs are going to be different than somebody who's 42 and in the peak of their earning career, they may have a different approach that would work better for them. Yep, that's a, that's a great overview. And I like what you said about base hits. Uh, multifamily lends itself very well to that. I mean, some of these projects, we've done these just complete turnaround, gut to the studs and rebuild. I think it turned out good. They're a lot of work. Um, but we've had success with stabilized deals that you can buy and push NOI a little bit over time. And uh, those are really safe deals, all things considered, you know. Um, and then o over a five-year horizon or longer, I mean, you, you just, uh, I don't want to say you can't lose, but they're, they're just very stable assets. You're not swinging for the fences. It's not some you know, huge development deal where you're hoping for a big check at the end. It's, it's like, Hey, we, you, you buy it and there's 150 K of revenue come in at the next week. And every month thereafter, it's just something very, very uh, assuring about that type of business model. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I've always told folks, you know, real estate, uh, it, it's a long-term play and as long as you don't get yourself overextended, have sufficient capital reserves, time is on your side. Inflation's right. on your side. Indeed. Population growth is on your side. So in my 40 plus years, the only time I've seen people get hurt in real estate is if they do over leverage and they're undercapitalized, and then they find themselves in a down market, um, and now they're stuck. Where if you have a more solid foundation, you can kind of ride out the slow times. Um, the, the other thing I think is, we tend to get hung up on the crisis of the day, okay? Sure. And uh, I invested through Black Monday in 1987. I invested through the SNL crisis in the early 1990s, where one third of American savings and loans went under. The dot com boom, dot com bust, the Great Recession. Uh, so you're going to have cycles, but if you're properly capitalized, properly leveraged, and also in a good growth market, I think is important. Uh, if you're in a good growth market, diversified employment, again, time, inflation, it's all on your side. And uh, um, I don't know if it was Warren Buffett who said he was happy with 6% return, or it could have been uh, The Millionaire Next Door, a book that I, I really like, uh, that people who have been financially successful are happy getting six, seven, eight percent return on their money, and they just do it and do it and do it, and it pays off. Yep, yep. Slow, slow and steady um, over time. That's a that's a that's a great approach. What are some of the things that you're looking for uh, in an operator to to partner with? I mean, there's so many variables, markets, and you know, deal types, etc. But what is your philosophy around finding an operator to invest with? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. And I'd say who the operator is, is probably as important as the deal. 
right. probably as important as the market. I mean, you'd like to, uh, you'd like to kind of hit all the criteria, you know, like a solid B, B plus across the board of your sure. criteria. You know, you don't want A, A, F. Right. You know, so, right, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so on the operator, I would say one, some level of experience, uh, a, a certain portfolio under management currently, also have gone full cycle on three or four projects, I think is important. Um, and, and then for me, uh, I'm kind of an old school guy and I only do business with people I trust. Right. And, and, and uh, we all have these, our little radar. And when we start hearing something that maybe doesn't make sense, you know, you're, you're covering up your back po pocket. <laughs> so he doesn't get it, you know, and so your wallet's still there. Uh, so I rely a lot on just who I feel that person is and I develop relationships with them over time. Uh, some face-to-face -face meetings, but a lot of Zoom calls and conversations. I listen to them on podcasts. I see how they present their properties. And I think you can get a sense for the person. You can get a sense for their operation and that's a big part of it for me. I don't know how I can quantify that for your listeners, but it's more just a gut sense. Does what this person say make sense to me? Do I feel there's a, a level of integrity and character behind it that if problems arise, they're going to step up and do the right thing? And Devin, you know better than I probably on most projects, one or two problems are going to pop up. And how do you deal with that? And are you honest about it? And, and put your cards on the table. Investors like to know what's going on, right? Yep. Even if the news isn't great, they, they, they want to know what's going on with their investment. Yeah, that's right. That's a great overview. And I appreciate that. There is a big component of it. This that's that you cannot quantify. Um, I think it'd be nice to have a checklist and say, Hey, I want to invest with sponsors that check all the boxes, but that's like half the battle. You know, the, the gut check on it is, is huge. You know, I, I enjoy passive investing and I look at the, the sponsors that I've invested with passively or that I'm a key principal with. And, you know, they're all, they're all the deepest relationships, period. It just starts there. You know, and the fact that they, oh, they get this sponsor got this deal on that market. It, okay, great. It's got to obviously check some boxes, but it's all, it's all the relationship for me. There's a deal um, <laughs> that I, that still kind of stings when I think about it as a single family project. But uh, I remember I had lunch with the contractor and he wanted a partner. This is a few years ago. And I just got greedy. You know, the deal sounded really good to me. It was hands off. He was going to run it. I was going to make a big pile of money. And it ended up being a disaster. Um, luckily, you know, it was my capital and, you know, no, no investor capital involved, but it was so clear to me early on that this guy did not pass my spidey sense gut check. It was blatantly obvious. And it's like, why did I, why did I do that? I knew my gut. I knew from the word go, I didn't that trust little this voice guy. in your head. Yeah. Uh huh. 
And I got greedy on that one, you know, and, uh, and I paid for it. And I refinanced it. My plan is just to hold it long enough that, uh, you know, the things you mentioned, inflation, time, all that stuff, it's, it's going to actually, it'll be a win. It's just going to take me a few years um, rather than sell at a loss at the time. But I knew, you know, I knew with this guy right away that the, my intuition was like, don't, don't, don't do this. And uh, sure enough, man, it, you know, I should have listened. And, and I, I think you bring up some great points for passive investors. Uh, rule number one, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? Yeah. So, yep. so it, at the present time, if I see something promising 19, 20, 21% IRR, sorry, call me a little skeptical, right? right. So, it, it, you know, so you know, if, if the market is 14, 15, 16 IRR, and you see something at 21, something's wrong. So that would be a red flag to me. Yep. Um, or they miss something. They maybe miss something in their numbers. They miss something in the numbers. And I think the other thing for passive investors, um, you can go slow. My recommendation would be make investments with four or five different operators. After right. you've checked them out, you know the market, the property, it all makes sense to you. Um, spread your investments around a little bit and then see what they actually do. And, and if you pick one bad out of the five, it's not the end of the world. You've learned your lesson and there could be reasons why the project didn't go exactly as as we wanted it to or someone wanted it to but i think then by investing you can actually see how they operate how they communicate and i would suspect you'll be able in a matter of a couple years to find two or three operators that you love and you trust and then i would say you just keep repeatedly investing with them. And, and, and I think that, that that's a good approach as opposed to going all in on one that maybe sounds great. I would just take it a little slower um, and, and, and see in the four passive investments that I've made to date, um, all with very well-known, very good sponsors, I can tell you there has been a noticeable difference in the level of communication to me as a passive investor. Um, not saying there's a problem because I don't believe that there is, right. but let me just say, I, I'm far more likely to reinvest with the guy who's really communicating with me on a regular basis than someone where the communication's more lacking. So by being in the actual investment, you actually see what they do as opposed to what the presentation and the marketing is. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, aspiring sponsors out there listening, um, make the communication plan forefront. It, it doesn't take that much extra effort and it is vital. It is, it is it's just vital. Um, so it's such a, that's such a good point. With, with the automations we have available to us today, uh, you, you know, 
maybe 15 years ago, sending out monthly distributions would have been a logistical chore. Sure. You know, it's not anymore. And it's not a, a, a problem sending out regular email communications, which, which I think most people today, most people investing, they're busy professionals. Sure. Uh, they, they just appreciate the email communication. They can look at it when they have time but they're happy to know it's in their inbox when they have a chance to take a look at it. Yeah, that's a great point. Sometimes it's nothing more than just knowing it's there. It might not even get read, but it's there. <laughs> yes, yes, no, exactly right, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and we, we do have some really cool, as investors, we've got really cool uh, tools available to us. You know, we switched over to monthly distributions this year because of some, um, some of, you know, the tech platform that we're using, and it's it's, it's not really any harder at all and people love it. And it's, yes. it's uh, we've done deals that were paper checks every quarter. And I, I dreaded those distributions cause it was like this manual process. But, well, and then uh, you're, you're counting on the mail, you know, oh, yeah. and you know, and checks get lost. And, oh yeah. Uh, so people move, uh, yep. people, people move and don't tell you or yeah. So yes, I'm sure your life's a little bit easier now than it was years ago. Yep. Yeah. So we've got, you know, all of us have these awesome tech tools to, to take advantage of. Um, so what do you see, you know, we're talking here kind of coming into Q4 of 2020, hopefully the remainder of 2020 is a little brighter than the, than the, um, what it's been so far, but what do you see kind of for the next year for the business and your, your kind of goals and, and targets? Um, you know, what, what do you, what do you think's ahead for the next year for you and for spark? Well, good, good question. Thank you. Uh, uh, on a wider picture, I, uh, I believe we're going to get through COVID. Um, I'm no expert. I'm no scientist. And of course the scientists don't all agree, but from what I can see is it does seem to be kind of calming down a little bit and there'll be a few iterations. Uh, I think once we're past that, um, I believe the economy will rev right back up. I mean, the American economic engine is amazing. Absent COVID, nothing's really changed from what we've seen the last 10 years. Um, and COVID came out of nowhere. I'm not sure our response was exactly right, but uh, everybody's got their opinion. Sure. So, so, so long-term, I'm definitely still bullish on real estate. I'm bullish on the American economy. I think it's been pretty well demonstrated Multifamily is a very secure asset during turbulent times. I think it's also clear the government has a vested interest in keeping people in their homes. And so there's gonna be support for both rental housing and owner, home ownership, let's call it that way. So right. I think that's gonna be a recurring trend uh, people need a place to live. It's a necessity. It's not kind of an extra. In terms of myself, um, I'm excited on this new kind of journey that I'm doing. I currently have um, a small 30-unit property under contract here in the upstate, and Excellent. I have 
letters of intent out on two others, also in upstate uh, South Carolina, and um, have my first two syndication uh, uh, deals where I'll be a co-sponsor, and uh, I'm looking forward to help people invest in that, as well as learning this business from the inside. Um, the one thing I can say is folks like you and other leaders in the industry, people I've invested with, they've gone out of their way to help folks like me kind of learn the business and get into it. So I have the 40 years real estate experience, I know quite a bit, but multifamily is kind of a specialty. And so I'm gonna to continue to learn and educate interact with more experienced operators, learn by doing. And um, the other part of it is people work hard for 10, 20, 30 years. And I think they're deserving of the payoff, which I would consider to be a comfortable, secure, fun retirement, right? You, you, right. you pe people work from the age of 16 or 20, whenever to 50, 60, and there, there has to be a payoff at the end of all that effort. Um, uh, I get my first social security check this month. So that's okay. a big thing. And sure. you know, I'm thankful for it. I paid in for 60 years, sure. but the truth, but, but the truth is that's about one third of what I need to live on. Right. And, and, and I'm not a jet setter. I don't go to Europe three times a year. We have a simple life. I belong to a public golf course. Uh, we like hanging out at home on the back porch and so forth, but, uh, and I've done well in my career, but social security is about a third of what I need. And I think most of your listeners, your professionals, uh, anyone, I think we all kind of understand social security is not going to do it. Uh, I think the other realization is you can't live off your principal. Right. So you need to come up with a plan to have your nest egg continue to produce income so that you can kind of maintain the lifestyle that, that, that you frankly deserve after, you know, 20, 30 years of hard work. So I'm excited to help people do that. Um, one of my best friends, he's a, one of my best invest, uh, investing buddies here in Greenville, Leo, He's 45, has a big corporate job. He manages 45 engineers all over the country, uh, all over the world, actually. Um, he wants to accelerate his path to retirement. He does a lot of house flips and we, we, we partner together on that. But he'll go to me, Arn, I never have any time. You know, it's just too much. And so right. I'd like to help folks like Leo create passive income so they could spend more time with their family and kind of, you know, live the life they want and kind of get off that hamster wheel. Love it. That's a, that's a great picture you paint there. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's it. At the end of the, at the end of the rainbow, it's time that you want, right? Um, all this money's yes. great and it's, it's means to an end. It's the money's great. If it buys you the time to basically do what you want to do, you know, in a given day. Yes, and that could be volunteer activities. 
uh, spending time with your parents or your kids or your family and friends working in the community. I think the other part of it also is I feel that uh, I've been fortunate in my life. I'm sure you would believe you you've been fortunate in your yeah, life. We've absolutely. worked hard to we we've worked hard to get there. Um, so I think there's also a responsibility to 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 help those who aren't quite as fortunate. And I think by being in the multifamily space and running it professionally and with compassion, providing safe nice housing, affordable for folks, uh, that is in, a, in and of itself giving back to the community to provide that kind of affordable housing that people feel secure and safe in. Uh, so I think we're helping communities by doing that. And I think that's a big part of it too. We all know property owners, who don't spend a dime maintaining their properties. Yep. And and we've been in buildings where you couldn't imagine living in. And, and, and so multifamily uh, syndicators take these buildings, uh, improve them, and make them nice places to live. And so I, I feel good about that too. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very important component of the business. I mean, you're, you're talking about people carrying out their livelihood, hundreds or thousands of people, depending on a given portfolio. Um, you know, kids are growing up in that environment, right? And we can have a direct yes. impact on, on that to some degree, which is, uh, which is pretty cool to be a part of if you do it right. And to your point, we know a lot of people aren't doing it right. And maybe we want to buy those buildings, but we have the opportunity during our stewardship of these assets to impact a lot of lives, which is, which is cool. And it has the added bonus of making our lives easier too, right? You do yep. things right. There is karma in the world. And so right. if you have a nice property, you're going to get good tenants. They're going to tell their friends and it'll snowball in a positive fashion. Um, and, and, and it's a great feeling. Uh, through my years, I've had great relationships with my tenants. Most of them say, Arn, you've been the best landlord we've ever had. Yeah. Um, and I just treated them like I wanted to be treated. If there was a problem, I took care of it and, and, and got it done. And in return, they were great tenants and... Um, you know, it's just a nice relationship. It's harder on a multifamily to maintain those kind of personal relationships, but uh, the concept's the same. That's right. That's right. Um, I love it. Well, this is a great overview, Arn. I appreciate you sharing your story and your journey. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. If someone wants to connect with you, um, what's a good avenue for, for them to do that if they're listening to this? Uh, well, I'm pretty accessible. Um, my cell phone is uh, area code 650-575-6114. Email would be arn at investwithspark.com. And my website is investwithspark.com. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn too. Um, always love talking real estate. So reach out to me and we can have a chat like Devin and I did and uh, it'll be a pleasant way to spend some time. Excellent. We will link to the website in the show notes. 
and uh, and have that out. And uh, if anybody want, listening wants to to connect, that's uh, that's how to do it. So, Arn, I, I really appreciate connecting with you. Thank you very much for for joining us today. Uh, you're welcome. A uh, pleasure to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, I'd like to keep in touch with you and learn from you and you know follow you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate it. We'll connect soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.